This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Yesterday, that it was spring cleaning day. The, get the property ready. You know what happens through the course of the dark winter, right? Things just, and you don't want to deal with it. And so you let the trees fall and you let the leaves build up and you'll get to it. You know that you'll get to it. And yesterday was determined because the weather was good and uh, the higher higher powers that be had appointed that 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 yesterday was that day. And I was excited. I was, I love working outside, especially like a good Sabbath outside working for me. That's a great blessing. They say that those who work with their minds, Sabbath with their bodies. Those who work with their bodies, Sabbath with their mind. And so for me, yeah, let's go out. We're going to do this. And the weather was beautiful. When you do this type of project, you basically have two goals. Okay? Goal number one is to gather all that is death. We're going to take all that is dead, the leaves, the the garbage, multiple, multiple freezy pop wrappers that somehow squirrels and fairies had left behind through the course of winter. I don't know how they got there. Um, Nerf bullets, you name it. We're going to gather all that is death, put it in Troy bags, and set it on the side of the road so that they can be picked up. Um, We're going to clear out death so that, number two, we can make way for those things that are life, that want to make their way up to the surface. And you start to see the rising of crocuses and the daffodils and the things are budding on the trees. This is all good stuff. That's what we were, we were about, we were in the process of doing, the season that we're in. Is that not also the season that we're in as followers of Jesus? As we approach Easter, as we enter into what we call Passion Week, we are in this season prayerfully where we are working with our Father to gather all that is death in our lives, all the things that have built up over the cold winter. And by the grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, let's just set those things out so that they can be burned and done away with. Maybe you've experienced that over the course of this last spring season. You and God have been working on some stuff. And you've been raking and you've been toiling and stuff's gotten dug up. That's good. That's beautiful. At the same time, maybe you've seen in other areas of your life where things are, are springing up. There's life in places you didn't know that there was life. You thought it was cold and it was dead and it was winter. But things are starting to pop up. That's beautiful. And now we are in Passion Week, Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What an amazing commentary on the human heart, right? On Sunday, I will sing, Hosanna to my King. And four days later, crucify him. Crucify him. Mm, That's my heart too. That's your heart too. To help us on this journey, I've been trying to anchor us in one of the stories that Jesus told of a rich man who had some servants, some workers. And to some, he gave a whole lot of treasure. To some, he gave a whole lot of treasure, but it was a little bit less. To another, he gave a whole lot of treasure, but it was a little bit less. 
but it was still a whole lot. And then he went away on a great journey. And then he came back. And the servant said, hey, all that treasure that you've given me, I doubled it. Here it is. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of my rest. Another servant came up. All that you have given me, I have invested it. I've poured it in. Here, here, here it is. All back and more some. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. But there was a third servant, wasn't there? Who took what his master had given him, buried it, done nothing with it. And to that one, the master said, you worthless, wicked servant. We are learning to live our life like Jesus, investing in kingdom priorities. And those things are important that God values. Kind of hanging out in the book of Philippians a little bit. Looking at the hymn to Jesus, who was the good and faithful servant. Am I right? He was, he's the good and faithful servant. And then those who have followed in his stead, the apostle Paul, who lived his life as a good and faithful servant, investing in those things that are important to the kingdom. We got to hear from Teo and Bree Makamba, our global partners in Rwanda. Examples of gospel living. And then the last couple weeks have been fun for me, talking about unity and inter, interpersonal relationships. That's always great from a pastoral perspective because I get to watch your faces and I get to watch husbands and wives elbow each other like there's no tomorrow. Like, are you hearing what he's saying? Did you tell him about, did you tell him about our argument? You told him, didn't you? Great fun. I just get so, I just enjoy it so much. I enjoy it so much. Ouch. Like, yeah. I'm working on it too. Unity, the importance of unity. Consider others more important than yourself. When does that not hurt? Right? Because my heart, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I want to put myself first. And then last week, gospel friendships. Good and faithful servants thrive, need gospel friendships. That does not mean I go through my Facebook feed and filter out everyone I don't like doesn't vote the way I vote, doesn't dress the way I dress, doesn't like me to the level I think that they should like me. What that means is I look at myself. Am I faithful? Am I trusting? Am I focused on the gospel? Do I share my life with them? And I've enjoyed and really appreciate those of you who've let me walk alongside of you. I had to laugh a little bit. Uh, those of you, uh, this will help me a little bit if I do this right now. Remember last week I said, hey, if you need focus in one of those areas, write that word down. You remember when I said that in the message? And then I'd love to come alongside of you. Half of you wrote down a word and wrote down your name. That makes it easier for me. <laughs> if you write down the word, I can't follow up if I don't know who it is. <laughs> I love you. And right now I'm like, All right, everyone whose eyes dropped, I got you. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I want to partner. I want to come alongside of you and encourage you and encourage you. So when at all possible, when we have these vulnerable moments, if you put your name down, I can then, in, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Why don't we continue? And we're going to take this series and put a little bow on it today. So turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. If you missed any of those weeks, you can always go to whoishouseontherock.com and listen in um, into the archive, go through the resources. The messages are there, uh, videos there, uh, message guides are there. 
Um, and that can be helpful in your continued study. But today, let's talk about work. Isn't that what servants do? Servants work. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Ryan's going to have the verses up there. And you can follow along in your copy of God's Word. There's uh, copies in the seats in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you're free to keep that, the blue ones. It's not user-friendly at all. Uh, the print is very, very small. Uh, we get them for a dollar a piece. Okay. But you can take that. You can download a Bible on your phone. We just want you to have God's word. That's so important. Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. And let's talk about grace-based work. Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. I'm glad that you guys are here today. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as stars in the world." holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's make some observations together in your notes. There's room to write some things down just to help you remember. And the first one is this, very simple. Our faith works. Our faith works. What does that mean? Let me take you back to the first couple verses that we read. Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 14. And I think you'll notice the word quite quickly. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Context. Remember the context. The letter to the Philippians is written, Paul is in prison. He's separated from them. Paul had this habit, proclaiming the gospel, of getting arrested. It happened on multiple occasions. And the Philippian church that cares a lot about the Apostle Paul sends word, sends money, and sends help. Paul does not want them to be concerned. He writes them this letter back to them to encourage them. He says, hey, I know I'm not with you right now, but keep doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. You don't need me watching over you. You don't need me laboring over you. Be obedient. Work the faith. Work your faith, not... Work for a faith. This is not a works-based salvation. I don't work so that I can get in good with God. Like, I got to tip the scales my way. And maybe you're a little familiar with that notion. That if I say the right thing, I do the right thing, I drop a little in the plate on Sunday, I kind of do, I will show up at the pearly gates Pete will open his book and like, hey, you did more good than bad. We'll let you into the good place. How many of you are a little familiar with that idea? 
The opposite is, oh man, I swore too much, I did some bad stuff, and Pete won't let me in, I'm going to go to the bad place. That's not what he's saying at all. Faith, allegiance to Jesus means, Jesus is my king. I follow him. He died for me. He rose for me. He's taking my sinfulness. He's taken my death. He's given me life. I chase after Jesus. What I need to do is work out regularly that relationship. My faith works. As opposed to my power washer, which is broken. <laughs> it wasn't broken. Now it is broken. This power washer is not even a year old. We got it the end of this last fall. Lucas helped pay for it. Uh, Lee's paid for it. Beautiful power washer. Wonderful. Got fancy little nozzles so that you can, you can like, you know, kind of hurt someone or you can rip the skin right off their back kind of power washer. This thing's intense. It's like you want to put, yeah, he wants one. Put power pack. You just carry it around. It's awesome. So cool. Well, because we were in the habit of spring cleaning, Elise says, hey, since we've got a power washer, should we power wash the porch? I'm like, yes, we should power wash the porch. I got to take the boys to soccer practice. So I'll go do that. So she's going to bust it out. Do you remember how to do it? Yep, hooks it up and hooks it up, plugs it in. I'm in the middle of dropping off boy two, maybe two or three, I don't remember, um, at soccer practice. My phone rings. It's not working. Like, what do you, what, what's not working? Like, I, don't, I plugged it in and I plugged it in. And I did the thing and it was working. And then all of a sudden it stopped working. Well, we're on the phone like, hey, FaceTime me so I can see what you're seeing. It's truth be told, I'm completely useless. I'm just trying to act like a husband who's got his stuff together. <laughs> so she's showing me this is where it's plugged in and there's the little light. And we did the test thing that you're supposed to push to make sure that, you know, because the whole water and electricity thing. So the plug's there, the light's on, she's got the hose in, turn the switch, nothing happens. I'm like, turn it again. She turns it, she turns it. It's not working. <laughs> like, hey, do you want me to come home right now? I got, I got before I drop up. No, 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 when you get home. So I, I, I get home and I look at her, she's like, it's not working. I'm like, I, it's not working. I know. Because I am skilled in none of these areas, I am confident this will go real well. <laughs> So I do everything that she does, okay? Hose is attached, bleed the line, plug it in, test it, push the button, red light, good to go, walk over. Just in case, I go over, check out breakers, where the breaker's supposed to be, plug it into another one, it's not working. And you know you have that moment where you're confident if you turn it just a little bit harder, then you know it will submit, right? Like it just needs to be like, before I turn it really hard, it will know I'm serious. At this point, my wife is doing this. My boys are doing this. I have picked it up and I have shown how powerful I am. And I don't work in. I have this power washer. It's supposed to work. It's supposed to do things. It's supposed to clear off the filth and the guck and the mess. That's what it's supposed to do. But it doesn't work. Our faith is to work. It's to accomplish. It's to do. Our faith moves mountains. Did you know that? You have been given and entrusted something from Jesus that he says you can move mountains. 
not fall and be crumbled and crushed by them. Is our faith not working? After Easter, the Sunday after Easter, we're going to start a new series uh, called Jesus MD, Letting God Heal Us. There's a very troubling passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul, who's talking to a church that just does not have its stuff together, it's a bad church, it's a broken church, their faith is not working. He says, when you guys get together, it should be noticeable that the Spirit is amongst you, that there's this man and there's this presence of the Spirit. Maybe it's in words of knowledge from each other. Maybe it's in words of discernment or encouragement. Maybe there's prophetic words from God. Maybe there's miracles. Maybe it's healings. God should be showing up in your midst when your faith is working. And then he talks about what that looks like and how that's happening. And so I thought, what if we pressed into that one particular idea? Do we know that it has been God's habit for thousands of years to heal his people? Did you know that? God does that. He does it all over the place. He's been doing it for thousands of years. People come, will you heal me? Will you heal this person? I need to be healed. And God heals them. All types, all kinds, all flavors, all sizes. Just a manifestation of the Spirit. Proving the fact that this is kingdom space. And things function differently here. When faith works, these things happen. How many of you have been healed by God in various ways over your years? Yeah, yeah, me too. And some of you are looking around like, this is a freaky church, not coming back, man. Like, why wouldn't, why would not we hold up the testimony that we follow a God who cares and loves and heals us, puts the pieces back together again? We're corrupted and broken by sin. Is that not what he came to remove? And so, yeah, we're going to spend some time pressing into that. I promise it's not going to get freaky. Everyone's got to check their tambourines at the door. Um, some of you don't know what that means. That's a different story for another time. But when faith is working, it's moving things. It's changing things. It's shaping things. Our faith is to work. He goes on to say, with fear and trembling... There's a lot of Exodus language all throughout this passage that we don't need to dive into. But with fear and trembling kind of points to when Israel was walking through the desert on its way to promise. Uh, you have Jesus, we have, excuse me, you have God showing up as this pillar of fire. You have God on the mountain and there's fear and trembling in the presence of him. It's because I know that God is with me, my faith will work. God himself is working out our faith, his will, and his work. God has an intention. Matthew 25, where we started this whole thing six weeks ago. The master has poured into the servant because he wants the kingdom to grow. He wants his intention and his business to grow. We need to learn to leverage that and come in on the side of that. In this great moment, uh, I was using a leaf blower because that's power and it makes me feel good. Um, yeah! going through the whole yard, just 
blowing leaves and sticks and freezy pop wrappers and, and bullets. Blowing, I almost got to the end because I have these poplar trees that just, they don't get naked until like January. All the other trees drop their leaves in October, November. These trees that line my property, they hold on to their leaves forever. Snow happens. Christmas happens. They're still holding on to their leaves. And then all of a sudden in January this year, everything drops. I'm like, great. That's awesome. So they've been sitting there. I had to go through with the leaf blower and get them out. Jackson comes up to me towards the end. He says, hey, got a little rake in his hand. Can I help? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can definitely help. As God's doing his part, the child of God comes along. Hey, I want to help too. Our faith is to work. Is your faith working? Is it moving? Is it clearing? Is it cleaning? How do we know? How do we know that our faith is working? I think he gives us a sign that we can hold on to. In your notes, let's write this one down. A working faith works well with others. You know you have a working faith when you see someone working well with others. I'll give you a chance to write that down. Let me show you where I see this at. Perfectly, you'll see it too. Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, I know this isn't true of your family, but my family's perfect. Um, we only ever use kind words all the time. That's it. We only say nice things. We only say loving things. You will never hear grumbling from any of us. Um, if you camp outside our house, you will just, it's, it's like the voices of angels and proclamation of the beauty and the glory of God. Like we just will sing just antiphonally back and forth one to another, just kindness. That's all, that's the only thing. It's a complete lie. That's all lies. Just like, I mean, Eric, our neighbors, he's like, that's a complete lie. I walk by, I go by the house all the time. Paul's screaming, they're all screaming. No. He says, isn't this odd? He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Isn't that odd? That our speech is his biggest concern? I mean, of all the things he really could have drilled down on, he could have picked some big ones. He's like, no more drunkenness and no adultery and no fornication and, and no more worshiping pagan, uh, pagan altars. He says, talk nice. Talk nice. Why there? Why is it those things he's decided to kind of poke at? It's kind of, if you have this army that's getting ready to march off into battle, to march into certain death, and the monsters have surrounded this whole army, and, there's, and the, the general comes riding out, and he's about to give this, that big speech that musters us up so we're ready to charge off and to lay down our lives. And the general's on the beautiful white stallion. He's like, don't forget to talk nice. Go die. You're like, really? That's what you're going to give me? is talk nice? Why do you think that is? I thought about this, because that's what you pay me to do. <laughs> think about how much our words reveal about our heart. Think about how much our words reveal about 
our heart. If you follow me for a week, if you follow me for a day, I'm going to get two soccer games this afternoon. Follow me for the afternoon, okay? <laughs> and you sh you'll be able to see, based on the words that come out of my mouth, how mature I am in Christ, what my values are, what I think of others. Just that little small thing. Isn't, isn't it incredible? A story I've, I've told here, I'm sure, um, but I, I think it, it makes the point. I've had multiple injuries to this leg, broken, put back together on multiple occasions. Um, it's a whole lot. Like, I'm not going to pull up my legs so you can see it. They're good-looking legs. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, if I were to show you, if you just see this ankle next to this ankle, this ankle is twice the size as this ankle. Okay, because it is wrapped up in cat gut and everything else. It's put back together again. Synthetics, bionic. I mean, I have to be careful I don't kick anyone with this leg. Okay, um, it's when I was in the midst of pain and injury, seeing doctors and getting injections and trying to figure out what was wrong, no one had any answers. And so my wife said, let's go see this specialist who focuses on feet. I'm very despaired. I'm like, what, what's she going to do? How, how can she possibly help? And so I go in and I sit on, on the bench, you know, the bench that you sit on. And it's got, the, it's got that paper that you kind of, you know, the crinkle paper that you sit on. It's like the parchment paper for cookies, but it's like parchment paper for your rear. And that you sit on it, it's like crunch, 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 crunch. And she comes in and uh, she says, hey, do you mind if I touch your foot? I'm like, that's, that's why I'm paying the deductible. Like, yeah. She grabs my foot. And if you weren't watching, you wouldn't be able to notice. She moved it just a micron. Just a micron. And I could hear it, and I could feel it because it's my foot. And it goes, click. It says, I know what's wrong. She knew because she, the smallest of movements, the smallest of senses, she knew that inside the cartilage had begun to tear apart and disintegrate and, that, the, and that, that it was bone on bone and there was stuff that was, she didn't have to cut it off. She didn't have to rip it open. She didn't need any of that big stuff. She knew just by poking in the right place that it would reveal what was wrong. This is what our words do. No grumbling. No arguing, no backbiting, no complaining, no whining, no gossip, no slander. Our faith is to be working. If our faith is working, we're putting others first. That means you'll see a noticeable shift in the words that come out of my mouth. It's like if I were to bring you my car. Some of you know how to work on cars. Some of you are good at working. I can't work on cars. I can't, I have no car working skills at all. I put the gas in there, I push that button, I turn that thing, and it goes, okay? But let's just say all of a sudden it starts doing this, when I do the thing with my foot, okay? I don't know what it is. So I go to the shop and I say that to the guy, hey guy, it does a, when I do the thing with my foot. What's he going to do? After he laughs, he's going to go hook it up to a machine, right? What's that machine going to tell him? He's going to pull out the code. He's going to look at it. He's going to get a diagnostic. He'll know exactly what's wrong. How did I know that something was wrong? Let me illustrate it this way. We were uh, waiting to be seated, my wife and I, date night. All about date night, guys. You get married so you can date your wife. You know that, right? That's, that's how that works. You get married so you can date your wife. Phil knows, right? Amen? That's right. 
How many years have you guys been married? Yeah, see, that's how you know I'm right. We're standing outside the restaurant. It's date night. All of a sudden, this car goes by. Do you know how to work on cars, Elise? Do you know anything about working on cars? Can you pop a hood, do anything, change anything? Can you do that? Words that came out of my wife's mouth when that car went by. Something wrong with that one. Right? I can't work on cars. I can't work on cars. The car went by. Something's wrong with that one. I'm like, yep, something wrong with that one. Didn't need to pop the hood. Didn't need to poke around. How did we know there was something wrong with that one? The sounds that were coming out of it. Oh, doesn't this hurt a little bit, right? Yeah. So he says, no grumbling, no disputing, no arguing. He connects back to the Exodus story again. He says, this is this wandering idea. He says, in the midst of a wicked and crooked generation, that's how Israel was described. Because as they were traveling through desert on their way to promise, they complained about everything. They whined about everything. It gets hard. There's water in the way. We should go back to Egypt and die. God sends them magic food. We don't want magic food. We want other magic food. God sends them magic meat. We don't want magic meat. They just complained about everything. Whining and grumbling. So much so, most of them never made it to promise. Think about that. Rather, he says, live in a way knowing that the world is watching you. Shine like stars and lights. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? So back then, we don't have no GPS. There's no, hey, Siri, get me to Jerusalem. Those things weren't real. They didn't have that. They had stars at night. If I have to travel in the midst of darkness, oh, if I go to that star, that that star is going to guide me that way. I know that. Or the stars are telling me, well, the season that I'm in, is it a planting season? Is it a harvesting season? Well, what's on the way? This is what stars communicate. And he says, you are to live that way. So in the midst of a world that is so dark and getting darker, people know direction. And they know the season that they're in. This is the gift of a local church to a community. Here's direction. This is the season that we're in. That doesn't happen if we're not working well with others. If we're not working well with others, then the light gets pretty dim. And in some churches, the light just goes out. And maybe you've experienced that or seen that. Another aspect of a working faith in your notes with me, please. A working faith works for the master's return. A working faith works for the master's return. Philippians 2.16, holding fast to the word of life, the promises from God, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor or work in vain. The day of Christ return, the day of the Lord, when Christ comes back. My parents set a great example for us growing up. I'm not just saying that because my mom's watching right now. Mom, I love you. Um... But my mom set a great example for us. Mom and dad set a great example. Did they fight? Sure. Was there crying? Yeah. Was there laughter? Yeah. They gave us so many great opportunities. And mom and dad would have date night. They'd either go out themselves or they'd go out with other couples. 
And we kind of got to an age where we could be home alone. And the expectation was always what when mom and dad go out? Parents, what's the expectation? We come home, what? The house is picked up, right? It's cleaned, right? Yeah, see, all the parents know it. Yeah, yeah, the things are picked up. You haven't tried. It doesn't look like a frat party came in here and exploded. And there were times where I was good at that, and there were times where I was not so good at that. And I kind of had figured out with my siblings, my brother and my sisters, my sister, that if mom and dad say they're going to be home at 9 o'clock, that really means 8.45. And that means we start cleaning at 8.15. <laughs> so that we can wash the dishes, sweep the floors, and tidy up in that 30-minute block. So that when they walk in, ah, there's this expectation mom and dad are coming back. Apostle Paul says, we live with an expectation. Jesus is coming back. And we will present and we will offer and we will show. So do our actions reflect that reality? Do our words reflect that reality? Are we living in such a way that we're mindful that the master is coming back? The good and faithful servant from Matthew 25 knew that the master was returning and invested and lived a certain way. You kind of have to wonder about the servant who didn't do those things. He really didn't grasp the return. But let's live that way. Let's act that way. Let's speak that way. Let's serve that way. Let's spend that way. How I use my time. Is it a reflection that the master is going to return? How I use my gifts, my talents. Is it a reflection that the master is going to return? How I, I work with relationships and work with people. Is this moment a good time for Jesus to walk back in the door? Hey, I'm back. Oh, snap. Not a good time. As we're unpacking that, that new TV that we got from, with our stimulus check. But it's for the kingdom. I wanted to see Paul life-size. <laughs> so I had to trade in my 65-inch one for my 96-inch one because Paul's big. <laughs> if you need me to talk to your wife about that TV purchase, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I want you to have a good online experience. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> The message of Palm Sunday, uh, just to tie that in with you, Jesus' triumphal entry, riding on a colt like the new kings would ride into Jerusalem, being proclaimed by the people. The passage that we read together is from Zechariah 9.9. Let me read it for you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. Full of a colt, of a donkey. He's coming back. Do our actions reflect that? Do our investments reflect that? Do the words of my mouth, as I'm watching Aiden play soccer this afternoon, as I'm sitting there, as I am responding to the referee, is this a good time for Jesus to come down onto the field? Right? Dude, I'm just saying, some of you know I'm right, right? 
if I'm living in light of his return, then absolutely, Jesus can show up at any time. I'm not embarrassed. One more point that we can make, I think, in this passage. Write it down in your notes, please. A working faith is a joyful gift. A working faith is a joyful gift. If I am working my faith, then it is a beautiful celebration that I am able to give back to my Jesus. Philippians 2, 17 and 18. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. There's a little bit of sacrifice language in here. He's talking about they're making sacrifices and there's drink offerings. To help us catch up, let me do just a little sacrifice 101 from the Old Testament, okay? Maybe this is new for you or maybe you've heard it before. The sacrificial system was how Israel responded to God when they were establishing in the land, when they were wandering through the desert. You had the tabernacle, you had the temple. And there are five main types of sacrifices, two main categories of those sacrifices. The first one is, in our language, God, I really screwed up and I'm sorry. Okay? They were sin offerings. They were guilt offerings. I would come to the tabernacle or I would come to the temple. God, I have really failed. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. It was about reestablishing relationship. Okay? Category number one. Category number two. God, you're awesome. Thank you. I'm celebrating you. Okay? Uh, those would be burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, peace offerings. Maybe it was an amazing harvest. You had a great harvest, and you just want to grab a bunch of it, and you're rushing. God, thank you for all that you've done for me. I'm celebrating you. Thank you for what you've done. A drink offering is part of that second category. Okay? It was to celebrate relationship. Just think about when you sit down with friends and you celebrate relationship. There's food, there's drink, right? That's what you sit around the table. I, just, I celebrate one another, food and drink. The drink offering was a part of that. Here's an interesting aspect of the drink offering. When Israel was wandering through the desert for those 40 years, they were not allowed to make a drink offering. It was only until they'd come into the promised land that they were allowed to celebrate God in that way. So when Paul says his life is being poured out as a drink offering, it's this sabbatical picture of promise fulfilled, of a gift, the end of a journey, and the celebration of God's grace. So Paul isn't saying, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, like I'm completely, like I'm, I'm spent and I got nothing left. He's like, my life is not being poured out in thankfulness to God. What he goes on to say is, my life is being poured out along with your gift of faith. They are offered together. There's this community aspect of what he's doing, what the church is doing in response. He says, hey, let's make sure that we both have something to offer. Let's have a faith that has something to give. How many of you ever do group projects in school? Ah, how many of you liked doing group projects? Those of you who like doing group projects are the reason I hate doing group projects. Okay? Just let me do it. You'll get an A. Stay out of my way. Okay? And that was, that's kind of like how I operated when I was in seminary and stuff. Like, hey, if there were a group project would come along, I would have this sideboard. Hey, listen, I promise you, you'll get a good grade. Just stay out of my way and let me get it done. Because I want to make sure it's done and we're going to do it. 
And I don't want you just kind of lallygagging along, saying that you're following Jesus, saying that you're contributing, saying that you're being faithful when you're not doing smack. So the Apostle Paul says, let's make our offering together. You do your part. I'm doing my part. And it is a joy, a joy to make that sacrifice to him. Have you ever experienced that? You serve God and you know you're doing what he's asked you to do. And it's a joy. It's a delight. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think when the, the master came back and the good and faithful servants showed up, don't you think they were excited? Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. I can't wait to show him. I can't wait to show him. I'm so thankful. I can't wait for him to see the gift. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's joy. A life that works is a joyful gift to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Did you guys get all that written down? There's a lot of talking there. Rejoicing versus grumbling. You guys got that one figured out. What are you offering, Jesus? Let me see if we can land this plane. What are you offering? Is this week a good week for him to come back? Do you need a little bit more time? Let's start now. Let's start now. Let's kind of dial in on words. That might be a good place to start. Maybe empower um, an accountability partner. Let me do it. I'd love to walk around and follow you. Just say, hey, Pastor Paul, will you follow me around for a day? Just, I want to know how I talk to other people. I would love to do that. I'll keep it to myself, and you will never become a sermon illustration once. Empower someone to say, hey, I think I struggle in this area. Am I grumbling? Am I whining? Am I gossiping? Am I bickering? It lets us know where our heart's at. Okay? Am I focused on the fact that Jesus is returning? Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.